Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. Hey, and welcome to Thrush and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical podcast that pits trashy thrush metal against the classy world of musical theatre. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined, as usual, by the Null Boar from across the Nullabore, my co-host Gareth. How's it going, mate? Good. good. Did you write that? The Null Boar from across the Nullabore, honestly. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. Do you like that one? No, it's great. I'm doing really well. We've had a stinking hot week and now the temperatures drop below 30. So happy days. Oh, you're so lucky because I'm stuck. I'm dying in this room. <laughs> By the end of it, there, there's going to be none of me left. I'll just sweat it away just from sitting here. Um, I saw that you got yourself a hot date on Words with Friends today. What's up with that? Jesus, what, what are you doing right that I'm doing wrong? I get hit with, my girlfriend calls them titty bots. <laughs> because I get hit with these... I don't know what, what the deal is, but normally they're women. And this time it was like this little chat thing going on and they always start the game. And it's like, hello, beautiful. And I thought, and I looked at the avatar and went, well, you're a bloke. And I went, hello. And then yeah. did this weird conversation and said, what are you looking for here? And I went, well, I was playing a word game. Well, okay. So that's what I need to do. I need to play word games, do I? So I'm going to, yeah. Play word games, I get hit on by men and women. All right. Yeah. Awesome. It's fantastic. Nothing to do with this podcast. Just no, right. nothing, nothing at all. I just, I saw it before and I thought I definitely have to throw that into the introduction. It's, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to eke it out a bit more. I'm going to draw them out and see how much money they actually want from me and, um, you know, which Nigerian prince I need to deposit my money's bank account into. I'll tell you, that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on with the show. Yet again, we're lucky to be joined by another amazing guest. He's an Aussie expat West End performer who has gone from treading the boards at my local theatre. I saw him in 1997 in a chorus line uh, to then recently appearing alongside Thing in the policeman's own musical, The Last Ship. He is generally one of the funniest people I follow, apart from myself. Please give a warm antipodian g'day to the writer and co-creator of Fossey Forest Ballet, Dave Musket. How you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I, I know you're over in the UK, so you're, you're on the opposite at the end of the um, thermometer. I'm, so, I'm upside down at the moment, and I know that you guys are doing it tough weather-wise, so what I'm going to do, it's about one degrees here. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna grab a little bit of the weather here, and I'm going to pop it in an envelope, and I'm going to send it your way. So nice. Oh, good. That's yeah, what we, that's what we I'm going to do. Use. It's going to take a while to get here because of COVID restrictions, so <laughs> it, it'll have melted by the time it gets here. I'll, I'll express post it, mate. Don't worry yeah. about that. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> Can I just say that, that uh, the thing that piqued my interest about this podcast so far yep. is the word titty bots. <laughs> <laughs> that has definitely piqued my interest at the moment. That That is definitely 10 points to Gryffindor. I can't, I can't even take credit for it. What a shame. I know. It's like I know. when I laughed at it, I thought, I'm not even laughing at one of Gareth's jokes. Like, no. It's never going to happen. All my best material comes from someone else. So, uh, No, that's not true. I occasionally laughed at spontaneity from you. Uh, but anyways, this week I was given an album, a metal album by Dave, our guest. As, as usual, whenever we have a guest on, we're going to get them involved in our stupid little torture game. Because I, I, I still don't understand how we keep getting guests on. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> this is a podcast. This is what we have to do. Yes, all right then. It's all a bit of fun. It's, it's comedy. Great. Do you do jokes? 
Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, at least one of us does. Oh. Someone has to make this a comedy show. Boom, boom. <laughs> it, look, it I'm scripted when it comes to my jokes and stuff. I know Gareth likes to spill his hatred from the heart. Wow. And that's all good and well for him, but, you know, that, <laughs> that's not me. But this week... We haven't got to my section of the show yet. No, we haven't. No. But for now, I was given Ozzy Osbourne's Diary of a Madman. Yes. It's a classic. Well, okay. All right, anyway, but I'll let you, I'll let you talk first because clearly... I'm, I only wrote this review about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> It's not that I struggled, it's when I first saw the album cover, I decided not to make a joke about it. I mean, you'd have to be batty to take a bite out of Ozzy Osbourne. Anyways, after insulting Gareth's art last week, I thought I would express my thoughts about Diary of a Madman in a way which would double down and add injury to insult. So I wrote a poem. Oh God. Don't bother running, I've locked the doors from the outside. S is for a somewhat sedated yet slick 70s sound. But K is for kind of keen for a kinetic energy to kick in. Y is for you can't kill rock and roll, but this song sure might. H has me, hmm, umming and ahhing. This ain't so heavy. O is for Aussie, because I couldn't think of a joke. And O is for Osborne, because I also couldn't think of a joke. (laughs) You did. But K is for knuckle, as in moose knuckle, as in... That's all I can picture, along with an S, meaning someone sparking up a doobie with a moose knuckle. The scenes are strong in my subconscious, but serene, not scary or salacious. So S is also for score, which is cemented whilst the soft, sterilised sounds slip away from my surround sound as though they were a stoner who suddenly smelled the stove door slightly ajar. Overall, I couldn't help hearing a diluted version of a familiar Aussie rock band. Three guesses who... Which leads me to wonder, at this point in his drug use, sorry, career, had the Prince of Darkness's titular shade started to fade in the spotlight? I didn't find anything worthy of this title, a moniker which I've heard many times in my life, even before knowing what Ozzy looked like. So after much hype about this album, from not only my co-host, but all of the reviews and research I did, I was ready to put my neck out, head banging to my first ever exposure to Ozzy's music, and yet ultimately... It didn't get me much higher than a two if judging it as a heavy metal album, but a three and a half if I were to judge it as a stoner rock album. But this is a show about metal, two stars. Well done. Thank you. There were a lot of words in there that I didn't understand, but... I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with with that it was pretty articulate. Probably the biggest word that I know. We've all uh, had a couple of drinks. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, if this was a Sunday afternoon sparking up a doobie on a lawn, going from the kinks to this album or something like that, I'd be all for it. Mm. I want to be tortured by this podcast so that (laughs) then I can spill hatred on it and give it two stars because it was shit, not because it wasn't heavy metal. (laughs) Does that make sense? We had this problem the other week when Gareth turned all soft on me and gave me something which was all indie rock and I offended him all the way through it. (laughs) It was prog rock. Prog rock, that's it. Yeah, no, look, I can can see why he's Ozzy Osbourne. It's but it's, from there was two heavy well, I mean, songs I mean, on this the, album. The answer's in the title. Yeah, but I didn't. That's but, the thing. Uh, I, 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 I didn't I, hear a mad man. I heard mm. a stoned man, which is <laughs> think, cool. I'm not, right. not saying that's a bad thing. I think at this point in his career, he was uh, definitely taking a step down from the Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Um, so and I've never yeah. heard Black Sabbath. 
So I don't know any of that sound, mm. if that's like, if that is really Satan worshipping music or what. Oh, well, I think I think the good thing here is that you're on a gradual step up to those sort of, you know, you don't want to get tortured. You don't want a fiery poker straight in, you know, straight away. You, you need to gradually step up to the torture, I think. I've I think never told point... you anything about my love life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, Gareth, what what do you think? Because I know you love this album. I do. I love this album. It's a cl- it's a certified classic. It's Aussie. It's a classic. But um, as a as a, a as a classic rock album, yes. It's look. It's nineteen eighty one. This came out. This was as dangerous as you got in nineteen eighty one. It was still scary as shit. He's singing a song, "Flying High Again." It's it's what's it about? Of course, it's about drugs. And look, it's compared to today's metal it's tame yeah it is tame. it is very tame it but it's i mean flying high again you can't kill rock and roll believer there's some there's absolute classics that aussie still plays today live well i know one of them's his favorite that flying high and that's actually got a real catchy hook to it i'm i'm sure that has a lot to do with why people love it oh no Here we go now. Yeah, it's got a great hook. Yeah. Keep singing. It's no. <laughs> You've got a professional West End performer. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> I know. a judgmental bitch on the Ooh, other end of the line. I don't. I don't believe that. I'm talking about me. Oh right. Oh no, you. You're a judgmental bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, keep singing. It's um. Mm. I look, Aaron. I didn't expect you to like this at all. Yeah, I did not say I didn't like it. Right. Because it wasn't a glowing review. Yeah, because I'm looking for thrash. I know, but Randy but that's, Rhodes... That's not Dave's fault. Dave, Dave, I asked him to pick one of his favourite metal albums, and he did, and, and the repercussions Look, I, you know, are... I, it's Ozzy's fault. <laughs> I went I went through the criteria of having a look at my extensive thrash metal library con- collection here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I reverted to Google, Googling <laughs> heavy metal albums <laughs> from the 80s, and... You know, to be fair, this was the third one that came up in the Google research. So <laughs> according to my Google library, this was the top three. This is the one. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's funny because our podcast comes up third when you Google <laughs> musical theatre and metal podcasts. Really? And we happen to be the only one. I was going to say, how do we wow. come up third? <laughs> there is no other. No one's that stupid. No, it's you can't kill rock and roll. Yeah. Also, did I mention that as a great song? Oh, uh, you know, I didn't like that one. I, I didn't like that. The one. whole actually, the first side, side one is genius. I think side two is a little bit. If you're going to go, you know, old school vinyl, yeah. side two is probably a little bit softer. What about over the moon? Oh no, that made me want to put on rent, <laughs> which I know Gareth Jeez. loved. Oh. Loved it so much. Yeah, I and the cover, I do have a, an album cover joke. I, I saw the album cover and I thought, oh, Dracula's Restaurant. I love that place. <laughs> it's I bloody good. Yeah. Um, Bark at the Moon has a wor- slightly worse album. Oh, no, Diary in the Madman has a worse album cover than Bark at the Moon. If Google Bark at It was Bark pretty um, reject shop cover, <laughs> I must admit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Do you think Ozzy's Ozzy's just left Sabbath, one of the biggest heavy metal bands in the world? He's going out on his own. He's got Sharon just driving things. <laughs> I was waiting for one of us to do an impersonation. <laughs> I'm glad it was you. Yep. If you know the story of Ozzy, and you probably don't, me, you know, I fine. do. I, I, 
I watched the Osbournes. <laughs> I knew yeah. as a child, um, knew who he was because of the, the bat biting incident. I found out today there was also a dove biting accident. Uh, accident it wasn't an accident he bit that fucking thing um yeah i think it's safe to say that as artists uh we all go through rough patches um (laughs) both financially and emotionally and you know sometimes we can't afford to go out and have a steak dinner so yeah and not only that but the bat was a gift so he was only honoring a gift what what was he supposed to do all all was an early warning an early warning about covid (laughs) well that's true oh yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. Hadn't even thought of that. There it was. <laughs> Actually, you know what? There, it was probably about a year. Uh, no, it wasn't a year ago. There, a couple of years ago, he came down with a virus from uh, pneumonia or something like that. It, it was going to lead to pneumonia. 20. And I was reading it and I'm thinking, oh shit, he got early COVID. So now that you've said that, he did. It all pieces together. COVID came from Ozzy Osbourne. We, we've solved it. <laughs> it was 2019. He was because he was supposed to be in Australia for that. Yeah, see the, um, the download festival, which I went to, and I was supposed to see Ozzy. And yeah, he had to pull out because he got. They called it a flu. Yeah, that's. Wow. I, I was reading that, and I'm like, hey, that sounds like because then it, was, it wasn't a flu. It was worse than that. And yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it came from a bat. Right. Yeah. Did did, no. he, did he tour Wuhan? Oh. <laughs> because if if that's the case, just googling now Aussie China tour. Yeah, Wuhan 2019. Yeah, I I want that tour shirt. Well, I want the plush toy of the bat that has the removable head. The headless bat plush. Yeah. Toy. <laughs> I want that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I I, lo- I love their family, and I love Sharon. I absolutely adore her. I think she's tough as nails. I think she's a, a cold hard bitch. But I think she'd be so much if, fun. If you didn't love her, she she would hurt you. Probably. You just have to love you, you love Sharon or she'll hurt you. Yeah. Get your lawyers ready. Oh shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best thing ever. Sharon, Sharon will sue yep. us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dear no. Sharon, nothing from nothing is nothing. Thank you. Yeah, so Black Sabbath's heavier, are they? I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Almost certainly. According okay, to I, my sources yeah. at Google, they are. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a completely different sound. It's Aussie's voice. Okay. But it the the sound is completely different. So I I I didn't hear a distinct voice that made me go, "Oh, that's Aussie Osborne." I heard Shirl Strawn. Shirley Strawn. How, how, how do you pronounce Jesus. his name? From Skyhook. Shirley, yeah. That's Strong, why yeah. the poll really? was the letters S K Y H O O K S. Didn't you get my review? Scott? No, I wasn't paying attention as usual. Oh. Because no. I, I don't care. I think, it's, I, think, I think it's in my spam folder. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I see you're doing something. We should connect and collaborate. God, I, I, so many of those fucking things. Goodness gracious me. Uh, um, yeah, no, I, 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 um, what was I going to say? Because I've never heard any of them. So I, if you named... So you didn't know... Any of these songs? None of these songs. I've never heard. The only Ozzy Osbourne song I've heard is the one they used for the theme song of the Osbournes that someone did a jazz cover of. Have you have you seen the movie (laughs) um, 
Mastermind? No, what's it called? Megamind. Have you seen Megamind? Megamind with Tina Fey, voice actress. No, it's an animated. It's an yeah, animated a voice feature. actress in it. I think she, right. Okay. Tina Fey was a, right. and it it was about the he, uh, the the villain that accidentally kills the hero that was voiced by Brad Pitt. That's what you're talking about, Megamind. Yeah. And so he decides to become yep. good or something to replace the hero that he killed off. Yeah, yeah. So in Megamind, they use the song, which isn't on this album, Crazy Train, okay. which is probably one of his best songs he's ever done. I've seen that movie once when it first came out on DVD. Wow, really? Okay. My kids, when they were younger, loved that film. And I was like, Dad, you've got the Megamind song. Oh. Like, no. Isn't no, that Megamind great? Megamind has my... Disney stole my music. Stop appropriating my culture, you bastards. That's not Disney. That What an insult. Isn't it? No, I that was DreamWorks. Know. Right, okay. It's all the same. Yeah. The, no, most, the, most, that, the most that I know about Megamind, the most that I know about Megamind is it's it's the supervillain Megamind who finally defeats his nemesis, yeah. the superhero Metro Man, but without putting yes. <laughs> the link below. You fucking <laughs> Like that's that's about you know the extensive research that I personally know of about Megamind. <laughs> You're like a Megamind savant. Don't I, you? Yeah. I I do know that Will Ferrell and that's John Will Ferrell. Yeah, I Will thought Ferrell Brad Pitt was in it. Brad Brad Pitt was in it. Tina Fey yep. was in it. You're right. Yep. I'm just doing yep. this from memory. This is totally from yes. memory. <laughs> uh, David Cross was in it. Tom McGrath. And yeah, apparently click below for more details. You know, that's just from memory. Oh, goodness <clears throat> gracious me. You're a dag. An absolute dag. And for our foreign listeners out there, that's a bit of skin that hangs off a sheep's bum. <laughs> um, yes. We'll jump to a quick ad break. I hear a sneak peek of the Fosse Forest Ballet. This summer, winter, spring, or fall, the first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest West End show, The Fosse Forest Ballet. Where's the important stuff? Aha! A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes. Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Denny, Louise Demon, and Oliver Savile, and more. It all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. <gasps> Darling! How long have I been mentoring you? Three months? Two years. So her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. You can watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theatre charities, acting for others, and the theatre's trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice. Tight. Um, are you recording? Yes, I am. Drinking yes, and recording. Are. What could go wrong? Yes. Well, hey, that's that's very Ozzy Osbourne, isn't it? 
So, <laughs> anyways, um, all right, we're back, and that was a sneak peek of the Fossey Forest Ballet. We're with Dave Musket, all the way from the UK via Australia, and we're about to uh, find out what Gareth thought about Billy Elliot, the musical, which was uh, was that your West End debut, Dave? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was, and was it your back in, Australia? Uh, 1954. 1954. <laughs> it was uh, so I, I was lucky enough to. I was Hang lucky enough to, to have done. I was lucky enough to work. Uh, I, I reverted back. I've, I've had to shut down Google because it's just taking too much of my bandwidth down. So <laughs> uh, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Damn. I was actually just Googling my own career just to. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? The funny thing is, right? Because I saw it in Melbourne. And I know, mm-hmm. no, I know, I had seen you in a chorus line because when you first followed me on Twitter, and I saw mm-hmm. your name, and like being a kid, I've talked about it on this show before. All you adults that came through, I mean, you guys were doing what else in the theatre school on you know Saturday mornings? We we were learning and and dreaming of doing that. Well, some of us were, others were obviously there for fun. Uh, but was there anyone that you sort of looked up to uh, at that age that? you know, that I was when I, I first saw you. This is going to sound really lame, but my childhood somewhat run in, in similar circumstances to Billy Elliot. I, I fell into dancing as a very, very young kid, but I always had to keep it hidden from um, everyone else. Yeah. All the girls in my dancing school was told not to mention it to anyone else <laughs> uh, for probably a good... I, I didn't really start telling people until I was about 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, and that's when I started doing uh, amateur musicals as well, when I was about 17. Uh, and it was, a, it was a breath of fresh air to be in the company of other blokes, um, you know, men and women, um, but, but more importantly, other blokes from all age ranges uh, and to be able to sort of, sing and dance about and stuff and it, and it not be a problem yeah mm. and i guess that, that's what sort of pulled me into that sort of community was because of the acceptance of it um so yeah i, I was you know I, I loved all the uh the experiences i had at all, all of the amateur theater companies in melbourne yeah did you do any pantomimes <sighs> i don't think so you know i don't know I, I don't think i don't I, remember I don't seeing you I, in any no oh. i've I think I've ever done a pantomime, and, and and they're quite large over here. But mm. yeah, I've always, that's, that's sort of why I bring it up. Yeah, I've I've always been doing something else, uh, which has overlapped it. I've done one Christmas show, but it wasn't necessarily a pantomime. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that one Christmas show, it was a uh, a stage production of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, which was an old American movie. Mm. Yep, yep. Um, the remake with Mara Wilson and Richard Attenborough. Yeah, from '94, exactly. I remember that one. Exactly. exactly, but you know, these days it's a bit of a different kettle of fish, isn't it? You know, the whole concept of a a strange bloke building a relationship with a young kid. Uh, go straight to jail. Do not, do not pass yeah, go. Yeah, go. Storyline <laughs> these days. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, it is, isn't it? But uh, which, obviously, in in um. <clears throat> Billy Elliot, there's a very masculine side to it, all these blokes and all these minors, but then you've got mm. the, the children, all mm. these little girls running around. So, mm. and, and there's that, that balance. So, <clears throat> I would like to hear what, um, 
what Gareth thought because no, if don't. he's going to shit all over this show, he, he's going to be doing it in front of somebody who right. has been seen in cinemas across the world in this show, <laughs> doing the splits and dancing with Ruthie Henshaw. Yeah, that pressure's on Gareth. Pre- pressure's on me. Uh, there seems to be a running theme where I review a show I know nothing about with someone who was in the show, which is, mm-hmm. you know, which is it's like sitting in front of Aussie and going, you're shit, mate. You're just, you're <laughs> shit. What, what were you talking about, bats? You actually touched on something earlier. Oh, okay, Billy Elliot. Everyone's heard of it. I d- I've never seen the film. I still haven't seen the film. I've now seen the musical. I didn't really, I kn- knew the story of it. This is like, it's weird. I feel like some kind of fucking alien who came down to earth and went, here, here's some, here's some pop culture. Now, now tell us your experience, which is, and, and it is musical theater is quite alien to me. Um, so, and I went, yeah, okay, I'm just going to put it on and, and see what happens. The one thing, the first thing that struck me was how good for creativity was Thatcher's Britain. Because you can just shit all over that. I had no idea. I mean, I knew the story of the kid who dances and he was a boxer and he dances. But there's this whole the story around there's, they're so working class. They're really hard men. Um, they're miners. They're on strike. They're just fighting for what they've got. And you, and you talk about musicals aren't political. Every fucking musical I've listened to has been political. No, that's not true. Rent this wasn't is no, political. okay, it's not. Anyway, can I can I just fucking Hello, embellish? This is my yeah, thing. Okay, can I on. just embellish? Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, rent rent was probably a little bit political. Um, but it is it is <laughs> no, it it is quite political, and I wasn't quite ready. I don't think for that level of of sort of seriousness and. And it's, it's a stupid thing to say, but it is it is quite deep. And there's you know there's the struggle going on, and you know, and I've I've been to the north of England, and it's it's still a very working class area. Geordies are still Geordies, and they will, and and they're proud of their working class heritage, and they hang on to that. It's very deep into the ground, and that was that was a a little bit surprising to me just seeing that. And then, you know, and there's the story of it. It's it's probably equally brutal as it is hilarious. There's some seriously, seriously funny scenes in it. Um, and the one that, and I wrote a few notes, which I haven't pulled up on my screen because it's taking my bandwidth. Um, and <laughs> the <laughs> the scene between Billy and his mate and his mate's putting on dresses and he says, what are you Expressing doing? And he goes, yourself. no, it, it's all right. My dad does it. And I just, yep. seriously, I bent over <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and I thought, there it is. That's, that's right there. And, were, and I had the sense of dread because they were dancing around and they, you know, and he puts on a, a, a skirt and a top and he's, and he's got a bloody cardigan on. I thought someone's going to walk in and it's going to be all over for poor Elliot but that didn't happen so that was you know that's in the rewrite we'll sort that one out <laughs> later um, I did tweet and I know Aaron saw it because he had a go yeah I was so disappointed because my spoiler alert my girlfriend walked in and I had my headphones on and I'm watching it 
on the screen. And she said, is that Billy Elliot? And I said, yes. Are you watching Billy Elliot? I said, yes. She goes, um, did you cry? And I said, well, no, it's not finished yet. And I didn't, but it was, um, she saw the- That, that wasn't the tweet. No, I know. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I don't say shut up to her. She brings me wine. Um, <laughs> you say fill up. Yeah, please. I say please. please. Of course. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> the secret to a long relationship is please. Um, That's true. And thank you. <laughs> oh, please and thank you. And yes. And, I, and I'll get the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Always um, yes. Um, and you're right. And Anyways. Now, now I've completely lost my train of thought. Um, About crying. Yeah. No, I didn't. And I, di- I didn't cry, didn't. but, and it's interesting, Dave, that you said, you said this and yours your story is far more direct than mine is. And someone else answered that tweet as well. And I um, replied to them, just we Billy Elliot, because I think we are. I mean, I know I am. I remember, and I'm watching this and it, and it gave me flashbacks to my childhood and, and I didn't become a dancer, but when I was, when I was at school and the boys did woodwork and the girls did cooking, in those days, it was still called cooking. It wasn't home economics. And I didn't want to do woodwork. I wanted to do <clears> cooking. <throat> and I was, and I and I can't remember what year it was. It was 70-something, 80-something. Um, I was the first boy to ever do cooking in the school. And I remember, and I felt like Billy Elliot, I remember walking in that classroom and it was like there was these rows of these cooking stations and you walked through this tunnel of girls all staring at me because here's this skinny little ginger walking into and wanna, wants to cook. And I thought, yeah, Billy, I, I, know what you, I know what you mean. That, yeah, that one, yeah, that one got me. And the other one, the other one that actually got me, if I'm going to talk about me for a bit, is... Um, I grew up. I grew up in New Zealand, and you either played rugby, or you, well, you just didn't do anything else. Um, and I tried rugby for a while. I was a bit shit at it, so I ended up playing soccer. No, no, I, I was shit. So. I was shit at rugby. I know, hard to. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> hard to imagine. So I played soccer, and I was actually quite good at that. But my dad, who's not around anymore, but I rem- I remember my dad when he when he realized that I was going to play soccer, it was, well, you know, it's all right if you're a puff. So, and, you know, he's, he's, he was pretty old school. So, and I thought, yeah, Billy, and Billy's dad came around and so did mine eventually. So, um, yeah. Jeez, was... I'm still waiting for mine to come around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even a joke. <laughs> like, legit, he doesn't want me being a writer. So, the... anyways. Not about me. The story, the story is in, is the story is incredible, and and what I I think what I was trying to say is, I knew the story anyway, but I hadn't seen the story, and yeah. that made, and I still haven't seen the movie, and I don't know if I'm going to watch the movie. I don't, I'm not really sure because that, the production of that, and I saw the 2014, and Dave, I think you were in that, <clears throat> you're in that. What? Okay, my my question is, what part did you play? Because there was no beard. I I, t- I sent you a video of um, Born to Boogie. I pay no attention to anything you send me. <laughs> oh, God, 
listeners out yeah. there, send him so, all so the, the hate in the yeah. world. <laughs> so, so the integral and the the integral part that I played, which is, mm. I guess, at the same level, probably if not more prominent than Billy, was Mr. Braithwaite, right. who is the. Uh, <laughs> Can't believe they called it Billy Elliot. Yeah, I know they should have called it Braithwaite the musical. Um, he's a chap who who plays piano in the in the dance school for uh, Mrs. Wilkinson. Oh, fucking recognise you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's like an hour later. I should have got one prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your headshot? I'm meant to be the scatterbrain in this podcast. I'm meant to be the village idiot. I'm so far out of my depth, it's not even funny. No, it is funny. It's it's hilarious for us. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. That, like that jacket it's... you wear, um, with the the white one with the red. I want that jacket. Where is that jacket? That that's a fucking fabulous jacket. It won't fit what... me. I'm no, I had to swim on you. That doesn't. Do I look like I'm complaining? <laughs> that's a fabulous jacket. I saw that. I'm like, yeah, no, I want that. Yeah, fair play, fair play. And there's some really fucking awful fashions or costumes in this show, which they aren't necessarily costumes. They are. The fashions I mean, of they're, the they're, time. It's mm. oh, you, you can 100% say that. I mean, it's it's not yep. like we came onto stage wearing our own clothes. It was uh, it was definitely mm. a choice. Yeah, yeah. To, to reflect the time, <laughs> um, yeah. there, there was a lot of uh, wigs that had deep seated uh, roots uh, or two tone roots, which was quite lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of polyester. A lot of polyester. Yes. Yeah, I could smell it from here. <laughs> It was like one match and the whole thing's gone. It was essentially like working in an opportunity shop, really. (laughs) The production of that was, it was quite phenomenal. And listen, it's electrifying life. It really is. Yeah. um, Because Billy has to knock it out of the park. And when he does, it's just. Yeah, I know. And you know what? And I I don't want to, you know, piss in anyone's pocket, but what really blew me away about that was the, the level of talent. Like if you even if you're in the if you're in the chorus, every one of those performers is absolutely at the top of their game. And it was it yeah. I just looked in there. How do you find hey, how do you find kids that are that good? All the, the girls could all dance and I thought, how do you do that? It's genetic engineering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's basically a factory. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I mean the, the the whole you're you're 100 right. The, the, it is phenomenal phenomenal in the sense that a 10 11 year old kid uh, carries a West End show, yeah. you know, day in day out. I mean, obviously they rotate, yeah. but mm. um, you know, day in day out. And and the from seeing it from the other side of it and seeing the process that they go through, it. it it, it blows your mind, and, and it and it blows my mind. You know, a, lo- a lot of the time, these Billies that were getting uh, cast were not necessarily the best dancers, not necessarily the best singers, not necessarily the yeah. best actors, but they had the potential. Uh, they had the potential, and they had yeah. something about them that they, that the creative team knew would be able to get them there. And and it was a twelve month process of training before they then actually got onto stage. So. Mm. You know the and, the, co- yeah. the cog behind the uh, facade were were immense. And yeah. then once they hit puberty, were they gone? 
Oh, then, then you know, show you know. Thank you for your time. Here's your P forty five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that's sad, but you know, it happens. Oh, <laughs> I mean, by that by that by that stage, you know, you got to bear in mind these kids have been working on this show for probably a good three or four years. Exactly. Um, yeah. So a lot, pivotal they, years a lot of their of life. The yeah, they're they're, yep. they're looking forward to going, going on to the next phases, and you know, when you have people like. Uh, Tom Holland and and stuff like that yep, who have come say. Uh, grounding and and when they come out the world really is their oyster yeah, yeah. and the discipline heat that can must have as a mm. well you'd hope he's still got it after all this uh, Marvel uh, circus that he's luckily to be uh, lucky to be involved in mm. um, you are he it was in that. Um, at the end of that that film version, but he wasn't obviously Spider Man by then. <laughs> he was he was filming at that time, but he wasn't. Uh, or I think he was doing Pirates. Uh, you know, he's, he's. It's one of those awkward situations when you have a chat with them and and see catch up yeah. how they're going, and you sort of say that, you know, the the other week I uh, I did a nice little short film for some students down the road, and then you you know you say to them you know what did you do, and they're like yeah I just filmed Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that always is a great conversation to be having with a kid that, that's you know eighteen, yeah. nineteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but anyways, it's not it's not about him. It's a lot of of your career. Obviously, you've done Jersey Boys. You've done Flashdance. Uh, there's uh, another show that um, which is one that I probably wouldn't sign up to see. No offense to anyone <laughs> who's ever been in those shows, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, I can't remember what it was. Flashdance is an interesting one. I, I'd never seen the music. I'd never seen the movie before going into it. I haven't um, seen it today, but I love the song. Yeah, I mean there there is some cracking sort of eighties tunes in there, but um, it 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 is an interesting show. I think there's a uh, there's a lot more depth to it than than what I originally thought going into that one. But it's by no means. I, I think there's different categories of musicals. I think there's a lot of ones that. Uh, are very reliant on being catchy music. There's ones that are reliant on being brilliant choreography. There's ones that are a mixture. There's ones that are sort of like Billy, which might be contextualised as a play to music. There's a whole different sort of gamut of different musicals. But um, yeah, there's been some great ones to work with. Yeah. The funny thing was, I, as I was saying before, I saw it in Melbourne. Um, before I saw it, I loved the CD but I hated the first song. The yeah. first song drove me fucking nuts. And every <laughs> time I would skip the first song, but I'll tell you what, when the, the lights went down and, and the curtain went up or whatever, and the, the, the projection came on the screen, I had a, a reaction like I did to come from away as soon as they said 9-11 or September 11, right? And mm. I burst into tears through the rest mm. of that CD. But as soon as that film footage came up, for some reason, I just sat there through all of Act One, the whole of Act mm. One, crying. Mm. I just could not stop crying. My friend was laughing at me the whole time. I don't know where it came from. I was so incredibly swept up in uh, not just the singing, the dancing, the acting and all that, but the interpretation, how they mm. took that story, how they did it. And then a song like Solidarity, which I absolutely loved on the CD, blew my mind on the stage the way they, they interpreted that and then the angry dance holy fucking shit <laughs> holy shit how you guys didn't because uh, they were throwing signs uh, across the stage i don't know if it was the same on the west end i've seen youtube videos of 
you know, yeah, the, the, footage. The riot, I think that was different. Yeah. Sorry? The, the riot scene uh, in Oz was a lot more physically demanding. Yeah, uh, I looked at it. And that's the thing is I didn't know you were in it because my yeah. program is from Sydney, from yeah. the opening before you joined, right? So it was only three days ago that I found out that you were in that Melbourne production. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm glad I got to ask you about that because that the angry dance in Melbourne was fucking fantastic. I mean, it was great in, on the, the West End one, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with the boys... Uh, angry dancers uh each boy there, there, there was there were i think four different combinations of angry dancers so depending on what each boy's main strength was because some of their main strengths were uh you know that you might have had some boys that were stronger tappers you might have had some boys that were stronger ballet dancers you might have had some boys that yeah. were stronger uh, street dancers popping and locking and stuff um so each angry dance itself was it was assigned to you know, a boy based on their uh, their skills. But in regards to what was happening around them, you're 100% right. In the, in the Australian version, the riot scene was a lot more physical. We were yeah. uh, jumping and diving over uh, police shields. We, you know, there was punches being thrown. There were things being thrown. Um, yeah, like metal signs across the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a lot more physical. Took my breath away. There were definitely several times where you'd, you'd come off and something was bleeding, but but then when, but I, you know, I think because Australia had such a shorter run in comparison, yeah. you know, two years, um, which is still a long run, but um, when you're talking about a, a 12 year run in the UK, um, I, you know, it's just too physically demanding. So so it was definitely yeah. uh, pegged back a little bit for the UK. Yeah, because then they did it at the Tony Awards. So mm. I've seen all three um, versions yeah. of that, and yeah, no, definitely the, the Australian one of that particular number was was hands down. Did you do yeah. that um, while you were playing Mr. Braithwaite? Would you also be one of the um, the riot police? Uh, yeah, there, yeah. No, yeah. I don't think I was a riot policeman as a uh, as Mr. Braithwaite. I of think. course, yeah, because he was a um, yeah, he would have been. Mr. He, he, he was a minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a minor, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in, but I didn't in, know that. <laughs> no, but but in in uh, ensemble tracks when you know because I wasn't Mr. Braithwaite all the way through. I, I I came into the show originally as as ensemble and, and covering mm -hmm. it as as an ensemble member. There there definitely are times where you are playing a minor in in one part, but then even on stage uh, in the riot scene, there's a moment where all the in in the Australian version, there's a moment where all the uh placards and stuff go around and make a wall for billy yeah uh, and then all the dresses would come on they put you in the riot police outfit they'd give you a shield and then the key would come and then suddenly all the miners that were there are now suddenly riot police and they push down the wall and, and go forward so oh, wow. they, they, you right. definitely would you definitely would constantly sort of uh be changing up mm. yeah mm. and it, it is really a uh, a demanding show from it's, all the cast. It sounds more like WWE than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were definitely my but I, that that was the beauty about that. That's why I love that show so much was because if you're having, you know, we're we're all human. We all go through times of our, in our lives where things are are not the best. Um and one of the hardest things to do if you're doing a show that's constantly 
fluffy and happy and joyous sometimes it's really hard to get into that mindset to, mm, to, mm. to do that whereas the, the beauty about billy was you know if you were having a great old time you could really enjoy various parts of it if you were having a low time you could really get into the aggression yeah. side of it in, in, yeah. in a controlled way obviously yeah. but um but it was it was very cathartic to be able to release your emotions in yeah. a variety of way within that show because yeah. it, it does get very emotional for a whole bunch of men standing on the stage. And, and that's, as I said before, it is very masculine in a lot of ways, but those, mm. that scene where they're passing around the money, yep. pass me the fucking tissues, please. Every single yeah. goddamn time. Yeah. And the letter scene that, uh, no, mm. not even that, the, the grandma song where she's dancing yeah. with the men and uh, yeah. yeah, as I said, I, I bawled my eyes all the way through that. Uh, could you just uh, tell us a bit about the um, audition process? Because I'm going to wager this was probably one of the most intense audition processes you've been through. Uh, yeah, the, the first time that I auditioned for it was obviously back in Australia. Um, yep. I was doing Cats. Oh, okay. Time. Yeah, I um, missed that. Sorry. <laughs> that's a, that's a, How I'm, did you miss Cats? At, come on. I was... Um, <laughs> I was involved in the sound of music the next 12. year. Yeah, there you go. It was, so you know, it was a bunch of us in. It was a bunch of us in Lycra with some face makeup on. So that yeah. was sort of. Uh, <laughs> We're back to Ozzy Osbourne again. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but at, at, at the time, I, I was, I, I was, you know, within the the, the gamut of doing theatre professionally was was never going to happen. I think at the time I was about. 29 something along along those lines and, and I'd I sort of given up on, on the whole process of doing it professionally and I was happy to do it you know within the communities that were available and someone uh, within the cast uh, a very good friend of mine within the cast just mentioned to me off the cuff that there were some auditions they needed fat blokes that tapped and and you know that I'd be good for it because you know I could tap um, and also mm-hmm. I liked Big Max and you cannot lie so um, the the process to actually get there was actually quite funny because I didn't have an agent, uh, yeah. and this friend of mine said, "Well, I'll pretend to be your agent to get you in." Um, and so she did. She pretended to be an agent, came up with like a an email address and a websitey sort of thing and all this sort of jazz, and submitted yeah. me uh, for, for oh. the for the audition. And then I went to the first audition, and and you're 100 right. This this process went on for about four weeks and there was probably about maybe 10 calls yeah. in in four weeks and each time I finished a different call you know it might come in to do a bit of dancing and and then a couple of days would go past and then I'd get a call from my agent in quotation marks um saying that I got called back to do this you know to do some singing or I might get called back to do some some acting um but each time I went in I 100% walked out of there going, I, I stuffed that up. There's, there's yeah. no way they're going to they're gonna want me. Um, but anyway, I ended up progressing until, you know, the finals uh, for Melbourne. And from what I knew at the time, there was finals in Melbourne. There was finals in Sydney. There was finals, I think, even in New Zealand. Um, and at the end of that four-week process, it, which was quite grueling in itself, um, at no point in time did I walk away from that process thinking that I'd done a good job. Um, but four or five weeks went, I think about four weeks went past 
and didn't hear anything. Uh, and then, yeah, I got the call. I, I, I got the call from my friend pretending to be an agent who wasn't an agent, but telling me that <laughs> I just got my first uh, professional uh, job. Um, and then, yeah, she had to pretend to be my agent for the next two and a half years. Nice. Wow. Uh, did you pretend to pay her? <laughs> yeah no i think i actually did from memory i think i did you know i said listen you've done work here take 20 percent or whatever it was but i can't remember what happened yesterday let alone yeah uh, yeah no neither can i you're um, you're in lockdown yesterday dave (laughs) and i can see your future (laughs) you're in lockdown tomorrow yeah yeah but no she was brilliant and and she you know when when she called me i just i broke down in tears it was yeah, it was the most, you know, it was easily the, the best thing that happened. And then, you know, obviously doing the show for a couple of years over there and then uh, a little while goes past and then I go come over to the UK, not to do shows over here. I came over to the UK to uh, work and travel. So I just worked in an office for a couple of years and um, travelled on weekends and, you know, did running of the bulls and did uh, La Tomatina and uh, Oktoberfest twice and, you know, it was literally <laughs> just you, a You did an actual just running of the bulls. The bulls once, yeah. Oktoberfest twice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good good call. No, I, yeah, I only did running of the bulls once, uh, you know, ne- never again, but, but Oktoberfest, I mean, if I could go back each year. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. Amazing. Oh, yes. Um, wow. But then... But then I went through a, a, a whole process of auditions uh, here in the UK for the show. And uh, they, you know, obviously with a long running show, uh, they only do cast changes once a year. So um, it was on my third year of trying to get into the UK production that I actually got into it. Um, so even even that wasn't a an easy process. It wasn't a case of coming over here and then just going, oh, cool, you, you've just landed. Come and come straight into rehearsals you have um, to do home and away to get that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah uh but yeah so, so it wasn't an easy process um, and i went through the same trajectory of being ecstatic at the end of it mm. you went into billy Elliot. you auditioned for billy elliott you started you started out in the ensemble and moved to mr braithwaite or did you audition for mr braithwaite no, I, on, on both occasions, I was going up for ensemble tracks. Right. Um, and those ensemble tracks have covers. So in, in Australia, I was Man 8. Oh, um, Man 8. So much better than Man the, the, 9, though. I mean, that guy. <laughs> so much better. Not as good as Man 7. No. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Man 8. And uh, I covered Mr. Braithwaite and I covered George right. in Australia. Uh, and then when I when I came here, uh, there was no man. They, were, they didn't have man eights or whatever. They just had ensemble track, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I but I covered Mr. Braithwaite over here, and and uh, yeah, it was brilliant. It was, I guess, it was a great for me personally. Not really having that much experience with professional theatre beforehand, um, but for me personally, those first you know two years back in in Oz, and then I think about a year and a half here in the UK. Mm of being in those tracks and, and, and learning those roles as a cover was a great process to, to, to really graduate me to that sort of level of being able to do those roles day in, day out. Yep. I, I personally found, so I, I was quite, you know, looking back on it, I was quite fortunate to sort of have that uh, graduation to, to those areas. Yep. Mm. Mm. All right, so uh, yeah, after Billy and then obviously you've had a 
then obviously now you've just put out a pilot episode or proof of concept, which for those at home, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is proof that this concept works. Uh, and that's for a theatrical sitcom called Fossey Forest Ballet. Now I have to know, did you deliberately write yourself and give yourself the only likable, relatable character oh. out of that cast? Because they're, they're funny characters, don't get me wrong, but they're very <laughs> vapid and shallow and all about them. And here's this one adorable guy who is, is downtrodden. <laughs> He's the underdog. He's clearly the hero of this story. Did you give yourself that character deliberately? Um, I purposefully gave myself that character in the sense of uh, remembering at that point in time, the restrictions on uh, filming, the restrictions on getting yep. people together uh, was quite heavy. Um, and so there was a couple of moments where I had to really think about scheduling wise, uh, mm -hmm. how much time can I actually uh, get people in for and when do I need these type, when do I need these characters if they're in scenes with these other characters uh, to be scheduled in and and bearing in mind you know a lot of people were were giving up their time uh, for very little money um so the the only reason I wrote a, a, a the sort of story arc for for my character in that point was because I knew that I was going to be at the venue for yeah. 24 the hours a day constant. Yeah. For, for, for the two yeah. days. So it wasn't necessarily a case of writing it to say, I want everyone to look at me. It was just a case of knowing that I didn't have to try to put the responsibility on someone to learn, you know, a page yeah. of dialogue, um, but then also have to factor in that time. Now, that being said, you know, it's still, it's still a first episode. So I guess the, the grand theme of things would be that, over the course of a series, there, there would be other moments where various characters would uh, develop more. And, and oh, yeah, of course. I Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing your characters, but obviously no, no, they've no, been no, no. written in a way. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I, I did enjoy it. And um, I got, you know, obviously a lot of the in-jokes, but I, I did notice yeah. that, that they were all very much me, me, me. And, and here was this one guy. He was, he was He's a bit dopey and, and all that. It was... Um, it, it was the relatable character that us at home are to to warm to. Yeah, I think I, th I think I think that was, sure. yeah, that was that was definitely a planned thing to have uh, characters to try and have characters that were like that. Um, obviously, with, with with one episode, you've probably got only a, an example to to give yeah. a, a, a few of those two. Whereas over the like I was saying, over the course of the series, I I would suspect that you would see more of those contrast is coming from some yeah. of the other as well but um oh, in, gross, yes yeah in regards to the technicalities of that you know the main reason why my character had that sort of separation was purely because i knew that i was going to be there for two days yeah that's <laughs> the one constant there yeah, yeah now I, I i that makes sense obviously i was i, I did warn you there was a cheeky question coming about fossey <laughs> no no it, it. It, it makes 100 percent sense um and like, like you it, said, it, it's definitely a proof of concept and yeah. there's definitely improvements to make on it. But I think as a, as a first entry into the waters, I think there's, there's definitely room to develop on some of those characters as we, as we potentially move into other episodes. But you're also a very naturally funny guy, just in general. <laughs> your your humour is very much my sense of humour. I don't <laughs> laugh at very many people. I could be having conversations yep. with someone and they're laughing at all their jokes. See, they, yeah, listen to that. Yep, because I never laugh at his jokes. 
it's not that yeah. I'm humorless. It's I <laughs> laugh at a certain type of humor, and I always laugh at your jokes. Um, yeah. Well, most most of the time, if I'm if I'm sending you a gif going boo and throwing <laughs> tomatoes at you, I probably laughed at it still, but I'm calling it out for being a terrible fucking joke. I, th- I was just going to say, I think my philosophy is is if I throw enough shit at a wall, something will stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm more about levels. If I throw enough jokes out there, someone's going to yeah. laugh at one. Exactly. But look, what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not just needlessly um, being all, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Kiss arsery, basically. <laughs> I, I don't, I wouldn't blame you. Like everyone else would write themselves the likable lead role and, and put them out, put yeah. themselves out there. And they haven't got half the fucking talent that you've got. So yeah, look at I half mean, the YouTube videos that are out there. To, to be honest, I, I never really saw Bob as being as prominent as what people have taken away from it. To be, If I'm absolutely honest, when, when I wrote it, yeah. it wasn't necessarily a case of going, I, I want to position myself as being a, a lead more over someone else. That was never the case, other than the fact that I knew that technically I wanted I wanted there to be a dip in the storyline. I didn't want it to just be yeah. fluffy, fluffy, fluffy. I wanted there to be something that people related to. And, and the only sort of mechanism to do that was for someone to go through the, the process that he went through. And technically, I, I could only assign that to myself only because I knew that I was yeah. going to be there for a couple yeah, of days. But, but the, the, the outcome of, of you know, and, and bearing in mind, Phil plays... I think seven characters, seven or eight characters yeah. in the whole thing, and he, you know, it's it really is testament to uh, his comedic skills and, and his comedic uh, development over the initial lockdown that we had as well. But yeah, no, it was it was definitely it was a conscious decision, but more in a way of scheduling wise rather than you know, I hope Hollywood sees this and makes me the next Daredevil. <laughs> no, because no, that was oh dear. Um, ex- excuse, <laughs> yeah. Excuse my ignorance. Did this idea come out of lockdown? You in in the first lockdown? Did you just go? I've, I've now got no job. There's you know theaters aren't <laughs> open. What what do I what do I do? I could dance in the corner for the rest of my life, or I could write something. hundred uh, percent. We uh, I was touring the US um, up until the pandemic hit. Yep. Uh, and then we had then we had to retreat back to the UK. Um, <laughs> it's not a good retreat, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the initial couple of weeks of the very first lockdown, yeah, it was a, it was it was a a situation where I think everyone was under the impression that oh, you know, we'll have a couple of weeks off work and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as it sort of passed that initial two weeks of everyone just rinsing Netflix and you know, spending time painting in the garden and, mm. and sat there. And the realisation set in that this was something that was going to be here for quite a long time. I think everyone was faced with a decision and I knew that I could either play PlayStation for the next eight months or just try to do something that would fit with the restrictions that we had. And, and at that time, we knew we were going to be in lockdown one for about six weeks. Mm. Um and we knew that theatre was probably going to be affected for quite some time because of the the, yeah. the fact of trying to get 2,000 people in, in one roof, yeah. under one roof. Even if other work areas started coming up, theatre was always going to be quite a difficult one. So mm-hmm. early on, I identified that we would be able to film things before we were able to rehearse things to go into theatre. So that, that was an initial thought. And then from the boredom and, and from the restrictiveness, there were quite a lot of social media 
videos coming out. You know, people that I'd worked with before and uh, other friends in the industry were doing some absolutely amazing and very funny, you know, little videos here and there. And, and it was great to see that there was a desire for theatrical things, even though people couldn't go into a, uh, an actual physical theatre. Mm. But there was such a demand for it. So I guess the initial thought of what is the first thing we'll probably be able to do com combined with is there a desire for people to want to see theatrical things and I was able to make that relatively simple equation work quite quickly so mm. one of the blokes that was making those funny videos was, was Philip Joel he was really one of the pioneers of the quick uh, satirical theatrical type videos and, and I'd worked with Philip on a couple of projects uh, over the last four or five years and I reached out to him and I, and I said you know, I, th I think there's something that we can do to sort of expand upon the content that you've been making. And at that time, he was being approached by a load of different people, different producers, you know, venues trying to get him to do one man shows. And essentially, he took some time to think about it. And, you know, I, I presented him with an idea of potentially trying to turn this into some sort of TV concept. Um, and he took some time to think about it. And then he decided to sort of uh, come on board. And we spent the first couple of weeks really sort of working out the parameters, like what we wanted to try try to achieve. The, the main thing that we wanted to try and achieve was to give people entertainment, give people a, a, a mechanism to escape from the grimness that was happening, um, have a few laughs because, you know, uh, yeah. at this point in time and, and at that point in time, uh, if you didn't laugh, you cried. So yeah, that, that was always the main focus. Uh, the second focus was to, to try to be able to provide some sort of example once things start um, getting back to normal have some sort of example of what something like this might look like and mm. so that we can potentially see whether or not there might be any interest. Um, and then the third part of it was, you know, if, if there is a way to try to generate support for the industry that we love yep. uh, in a financial way, yep. um, we, we, we sort of felt that it was more necessary to, to go down that route rather than you know, we, we, we had three options. We, we could either uh, film it, put it on YouTube, let everyone have access to it, and yeah. uh, that was it. It doesn't really, it, yeah. it, it, it ticks the first box. Um, or, or, or we could put it online and, and we could charge people a little bit to, to, to see it. And then the, the, the two avenues we had from there is, is either try to, to, to profit from it and, and make some money out of it, or try to, to, to give back to the community. And, and, and that's the area that we took. So mm. we, we, we committed quite early on that any profits uh, that we raised from it, we were going to donate to uh, the theatre community. And that's where we're yeah. at at the moment. That's why I was happy to uh, uh, let you guys uh, have our ad spot while we're still yeah, an upstart yeah. podcast, because um, you guys are doing this and giving back to the community. It's not just about getting your show out there or, or whatnot but as performers obviously you know needed the exposure and and all that so yeah i i don't yeah. know i don't know what it's like in the uk but i could tell you in australia the arts are forgotten in the middle of this yeah absolutely and it's it's criminal and you know i i do mm. lots of reviews album reviews gig reviews and i get free shit all the time i don't i don't pay for anything yeah um, and I got approached the other day and I said, oh, we're doing, because in West Australia, we close the borders. We can, we're, we're pretty free here. Thank, thank God. You know, we've yeah. kept it out. 
but there's still you know there's still certain restrictions on venues and that sort of thing and and local bands are doing it really really tough and and you know i, I was, oh god it was 60 dollars for a ticket for this show I was take yeah. take my money because you guys need it now um yeah, and yeah, yeah. and they were doing it to for the same sort of thing i was like you know i think we fans i mean you you're a performer you're an artist obviously it's it's your bread and butter of course you know it's it's a great thing you're giving back but i think a lot of it fans need to stick their hands in their pockets and go well you know not everyone is metallica or you know or beyonce or you know or jk whatever you know there's it's you know you you need to you know you need to give a little bit back and it's not a i don't think it's a lot yeah. to ask yeah. for years and years and years of entertainment and god knows it's all free now because if it's it's on youtube and it's on spotify and you know whatever yeah just yeah give a bit back so you know it, you know not pissing I, your pocket think, but think, well done you know, yeah no cheers mate. cheers mate and look we we we, we tried to make it you know because everyone you know the arts are struggling and, and you're 100 right we, we we've gone through this is our third lockdown now yeah at the moment. we're in lockdown uh, nationwide lockdown until uh, mid-february at this stage uh yesterday we reported the highest level of cases yeah. and deaths uh, at the moment so yeah. even even with three lockdown and also a period of a variety of different uh, tier restrictions um essentially the last uh 10 months 11 months for the arts from the arts perspective yep. it's it's just been crippled it, there's, there's no sort of shirking the offer and, and you're right for artists who might be of that elite sort of top level mm. you know they they'll, they'll see a bit of a dip but it's not necessarily something that's really going to affect their lifestyle but, but where you look at people who were trying to get into the industry mm. and, and had just graduated or or had spent a couple of years studying to try and get into the industry um or those that were playing sort of um you know entry-level roles and stuff like that for, for a lot of us um you know the last 10 months has just been absolutely crippling yeah. uh, but we we purposefully tried to make the uh, donation amount the minimum donation amount of three pounds 49 uh, that that price because it's the price of a coffee over here really about three three pounds forty nine the price of a coffee so r- rather than we uh, we we have had some people that have actually contributed you know twenty pounds mm. and, and thirty pounds and stuff like that which is amazing um, but we wanted to try to also make it accessible as yep. well so uh, three pounds forty nine and and it it still blows me away that that, that people still come into the website and watch it and. Uh, it's you know that in itself is amazing yeah. but it definitely has been six to seven months of blood sweat and tears a lot of tears yeah. um a lot of stress to get it to the point where it is at the moment but it's quite a weird feeling to just also not to to get a lot out of the project in other levels mm. but but mm-hmm. not financially at all yeah. yeah um it's it's quite a weird position to be in but I'm still every day pushing to try and get more people into it so that we can get to a point to pass on, uh, you know, a decent donation to these charities because these charities that we're, we're sort of working for, I think brothers and theaters trust, um, they do a lot of crucial financial and emotional support for 
people within the industry and venues within the industry as well. So now more than ever, they uh, they need as much help as possible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think sobering. We've pretty much. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. I I could rant on about the support of the arts for days, and I'm not going <laughs> yeah. to, because um, it it, it makes it makes me sad. I mean, my wife works in film and TV, and yeah, yeah it straight away every production in in yeah. w in australia shut down you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's yeah it's it's felt right through you know it is yeah, yeah. It, it it is what it you know it is what it is it's 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 terrible but you know when, when everyone you know not just ourselves not just those who are assigned to the fossil forest ballet but everyone in the industry is doing their utmost to support each yeah. other um and and, and get through this, you know, we're, we're, we're all trying to do the exact same thing. And, and that in itself is humbling to see. And you can only just hope that come May, come June, come July, that potentially there might be some sort of reactivation. Uh, but yeah, yep. we'll wait and yep. see. A lot of people are under the impression that artists, just because you're in a movie, that you are earning residuals for the rest mm. of your life from mm. that movie. It is no, nonsense. That, you do not no. earn that. Not everyone has a fucking private plane. <laughs> Calm down yeah. with your whole, oh, you're a celebrity. You must be rich. No, like if you were on a TV show in 1995, but haven't mm. worked in, in 15, 20 years, you're, you're obviously going to be working at a supermarket or somewhere like that because you're not still earning money from that TV show. People at home need to realize this. Tom, Tom Selleck isn't working in a, in a I think I think there were Come some uh, variations of contracts from, you know, sort of pre-2000s where potentially there was some sort of uh, royalty factors in place. That might be quite minimal, but... But definitely, I agree with your point. Within the last 10 odd years, a lot of uh, commercials, a lot of films, a lot of, you know, even the filming of Billy, for example, it, we, we don't have any royalties from that, even though no. that had been played year on year for the last uh, however many years. Mm. We, we, we got paid a, a flat fee. And, and yeah. you know, that, that, that fee was also, at the time, it was, it was at the time where not many other shows had done filmed performances so there wasn't really any mm. catalyst in, mm. in regards to what that fee should be so but regardless of the point the, 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 the point is is that if you see billy elliott come christmas time or if you're uh, you know it's sometimes it appears on tv and stuff like that um yeah we we i, I don't suddenly get 30 10 anything from that exactly <laughs> yeah and, and people are people at home do need to realize that because I hear that argument a lot and I have heard it this, this year with people going on about artists and, Oh, you know, they're a celebrity. They're going to be fine. That's not necessarily the case unless you're Tom Cruise for crying out loud, yeah. you know, or, or Gwyneth Paltrow born to uh, insane you know, movie people. star parents. Yeah. yeah well, I think, that's it. But, but if you want, I mean, I think, I think, I think if you're a celebrity, I, I, I think there's a bit of a difference. Yeah. I, th I think if you're a yeah. celebrity, I think I think there, there is a moment where you've generated some cash and then the decisions that you've made um, based on that financial gain from becoming a celebrity, I think potentially more often than not may ride you through these rocky times. Mm. I, I think mm. the, the, the crucial area to focus on is 
you know, the, the, the celebrities probably make up 10% of the, of the people that work within our industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other yeah. 80% from graduates who have come straight out of college or, or people who are studying at the moment, and then all the other people that you see in shows that don't have a million followers on Twitter or, mm. or Instagram or, or haven't been in Celebrity Big Brother or, or, or haven't done those sort of things to sort of garner some financial uh, growth out of, yeah. it's it's that 80% that is doing it really, really tough at the moment. That, that, it's yeah. that 80% that is on zero um, yeah. wages at the moment yeah. and has been for the last eight months. So, yeah. so they're, they're the type of people that, it's not to say that celebrities don't need support as well, but but you know sure. it's, it's the eighty percent that the things are doing it quite yeah. tough. And it's yeah, it's, it's not all of those eighty people are not part of the twenty percent for a reason. So yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. the guest we had on last week is someone who um he does technical direction and yeah. sort of live broadcast production and stuff like that. So he's been lucky to to work from home a few times, but. Mm still like when you think of all those people that are behind the scenes and even in a theater you've got your lighting you've got yeah, your it's your your rigging you've got your it's orchestra you know, you've yeah, got yeah. set orchestra pit it's right um, right down when, to the roadies your crew you know, you've got yeah your seamstresses and your, your wardrobe mistresses and yeah. and dresses um, and yeah, 100 percent just what, the what, actors what, yeah look it's it's what what you see on you know Theatre is it can be perceived as a bit of a an, an iceberg. What you see on stage yeah. is 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 the tip yeah. of the iceberg. Uh, you know the the, the the thirty odd people that you might see on stage. The, the the actual people, the amount of people that go into making that production happen. You're 100 percent right. Is is all the other factors yeah. and all the other departments that that make that um, production running and and. And some of those skills, those those you know, if working crew or, or working lighting or working sound or something like that, some of those skills aren't transferable in a lockdown situation. Mm, mm, so no. it's, also, it's also them that are doing it. You know, we're we're, we're all doing it tough. It doesn't necessarily, yeah. yeah. By by no means is it just the actors doing it tough. It's it's yep. everyone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, within yep. the so if yep. if someone out there wants to give a little bit back where do they where do they find your project david so all they need to do is uh, we've created a website uh, the website is simply www.thefossyforestballet.com yep, there it is i'll put a link below in the description yeah that'd be lovely or, or you know you can search me up on my socials uh there's always a link on my socials um which is simply just at david m musket we i spent a lot of time and money in, in regards to building that platform uh so that people can make a secure donation um and from that area or from that website they can make a donation they can watch the episode uh, they've got 24 hours access to watch it so even if you want to organize it in the morning um, and you want to watch it that evening, you can still go on, uh, whack in your contribution. You'll be assigned uh, some details. You'll be able to go back into the page as much as you want over 24 hours just to watch that episode and hopefully have a few laughs and enjoy something that's something that's something that is a bit different, but but also feel good in the fact that you're contributing to uh, something artistic yep. that we did, you know, in a, in, a, in a tough time. And something original. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the first time someone's done a TV show. There, there have been a couple. No, of <laughs> no but the the storyline is original. I, I don't profess to uh, to create TV. No, but, 
<laughs> you, you certainly put me in my place there. <laughs> uh, shrunken um, about this big right now. No, I, I, no, no, it's, it's just interesting. No, no, it's. I'd, I'd like to think it's something original, but well, it's certainly no smash. That was yeah. just. That was. I mean, I like smash, but it was just so serious. This yeah. is. This is comedy, and this is you know, it's it is very theatrical. The in jokes are there. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but there are heightened performances, which I always enjoyed. Obviously, mostly from Philip Joel, yeah. the um, the triple threat. He's more more of a quadruple threat. He, he is a, he, whatever the word for seven times effect. Uh, that that's what he is. But I mean, uh, some some people really actually um, amazed me. I should say, I you know, I, I thought Louise Dearman was absolutely uh, her comic timing in her scene. I thought was absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of the people that were involved, you know, given the fact that these guys got given a script, had very short time to actually figure it out. We had a very short time to film it. I think everyone sort of produced some some magic along the way, which was great to see. I, I definitely think, you know, given more time and more focus, we can improve upon it. But I think for what it is, I think if you don't laugh at least four times, even if it's an internal laugh, then look, I'll give it it's a money back guarantee. Oh, I'm on two and a half. Sorry, I, I almost What's made it there. Yeah, watch no, it again. I... If you watch it again, you'll laugh twice again. So that's four laughs. Yeah, that's well, just um, I want to bring it back to uh, Billy because yep. obviously you did the live version or the the filmed live version. Well, mm-hmm. Us in the the uh, industry would call it pro shot mm-hmm. because it's professionally shot as opposed to a bootleg audience member sitting there with yep. a camera under their hat or something. <laughs> Uh, have you ever seen anyone doing that? A million. Times. Oh, really? A million, a million. times. <laughs> yeah. How many phones? How many phones yeah. have gone off, and how many times have you wanted to throw said phone at that person? Uh, there's definitely been numerous times where where phones have rung during the most awkward bits. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, definitely through the letter uh, scene. Oh God, no! Uh, oh no! You know, through poignant moments where, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely amazing. through that. I remember several parts of that happening. But going back to, to people filming, I mean, I, I, I think you know most of us have sort of been on a stage before, or, or at least know what, what, what it looks from potentially from a stage perspective. You you do see the first three or four rows quite clearly and and there's always times where you see someone sort of slunched or slouched in an awkward position just just sort of yeah. casually leaning to the <laughs> right and, and, and you know you can sort of see the glare from the, the backside of their phone whilst they uh, try to pretend like nothing's going on but um yes look several, several so times you totally see people yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't know fair, if I, I you know i i've personally got nothing wrong with it it doesn't bother me but i just yeah. know you know the rights oh, and all that sort of stuff. You're not universal, that's why. <laughs> it's it's, you know, it's the suits that care. It's not it's not the artists necessarily because the artists are yeah. doing it anyways. The artists pass each other around. You, you think Elton <laughs> yeah. John isn't passing fucking bootlegs around yeah. to to his friends? <laughs> he might yeah, be Elton exactly. John, but he's still doing that. It's what they do because when someone <laughs> does something that they want to see, they get out and bloody see yeah. it. So, um, yeah, exactly. Have you ever wanted to pull a Patty Lupone on somebody's phone going off? Not per- not personally. I mean, I mean, no. there are, there definitely have been times where uh, I've I've heard a phone go during an awkward situation. It is frustrating, but look, at the end of the day, how can I throw stones at someone where I know that that's happened to me in various situations as well? You know, I mean, yeah. in meetings with other people, and your phone goes off, or 
when you're on a date with someone and, and they're trying to uh, tell you off for something and your phone goes off or you know who's telling you off on a date what type of dates are you going on are you being told are, are, are these maybe like certain paid dates that might have a lot of leather this is a new this Sorry. is a new podcast um well just uh, still on on billy in terms of the the filming live um yeah. was there yeah. anything you guys had to change in your performances because uh non-acting people might not realize that acting for the stage is very different to acting for the camera you're yeah. for the camera it's about the eyes about the st- on the stage your body is your tool um so was there anything you guys had to change for close-ups and things like that not massively and, and the not reason massively. being and, and and you're 100 right in what you say but the reason there was nothing majorly changed was because this was still a filmed version of the stage version as opposed to us trying to make yeah, yeah. Uh, a movie version of, of the story within our four walls yeah. so we we were still told to do what we do on a nightly basis um but there were some uh minor shift shifts of movement uh, you know we had uh, you know it was it was a massive situation we had three we had three or four uh, different camera operators on different cranes. We had half an audience in. Uh, we had a roving uh, person with a harness. Um, it was definitely different, slightly different to what we do on it did on a nightly basis, but not not to that extent of let's film it as if we're doing a film yeah. version not, of it. If not lowering your performances or anything. Yeah. We, not, we 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 were still down. advised to 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 give the performance that we would do. Yeah to an audience within the theatre. And were you, is, is it true that when Maggie Thatcher died, were, were you involved with that vote or were you there? there? So there was a vote about that song. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we, so we, we, we actually had rehearsals that day when, when uh, you, you know, look, regardless of what you think of Maggie Thatcher or, or what your thoughts are, it's still someone passing away. So that in itself is a sad situation. Yep. Um, but when, when she did pass away on that day, we, we actually had uh, rehearsals in uh, for one of a, a new Billy that was coming through. So, so the entire cast were um, in afternoon rehearsals and then the news drops just before we, we got in there. So obviously when you turn up, it's sort of like, you know, what's going on? Uh, and the associate director, uh, Julian, um, came in and he sort of told us that we, you know, we, we're, we're coming up with what's going to happen, but obviously there was a lot of talk from the people way above us. Um, and then towards the end of that rehearsal, we were then presented with the option that was um, at the interval. If, if you've seen Billy, you might know that, that, that George and uh, Tony come out and they are pretending that they're, you know, running a, a local community pantomime. So they're engaging with the audience and this, that and the other. Um, which, which just happens in the show naturally. Um, but the option that was presented to us was that uh, George and Tony were gonna come out. They were gonna do their little bit of stick, which they usually do, which is in the show. Um, but then they were gonna break out of that and they were going to give a little speech. And the little speech was along the lines of, um, we all know about the situations that's, that's occurred today. Um, we do have a part in the show whereby we sing a song about this person and it's not necessarily in the best light yep. of, of, of that person. Um, 
and but celebrating her to... death in the lyrics yeah, exactly. or her looming death in the exactly. lyrics. Like, exactly. but she fucked exactly. them over, exactly. these miners. Like, so they were within, pissed. Within the story, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. Within like, the story, she fucked them over, and, and we were pissed at her. But outside of the yes. story, we were still yeah. just people Human. on a stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. So, so they, they, they essentially they threw the uh, decision to the audience, and they said, "We can either skip past this bit, or we can do it as written." What would you like yeah. to do? Would you like us to do this bit? And then the whole crowd are up. Yeah, do it. Um, yeah. And so we knew that that we were going to do the bit. But the the, the funny thing was, is you know, this within a Western theater that there's there's a lot of tourists there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily mm. from the uk mm. mm-hmm. um and so you know a lot of people just sort of say yeah no worries not necessarily knowing what's about to come up and it was it was definitely one of the weirdest experiences mm. doing that yeah. song seeing the level seeing people some people's faces just drop yeah when they realized what we we're actually going to do but it was it was definitely weird yeah was that puppet haunting after she died? <laughs> Would she be alone in that theatre with that puppet? I mean, you, you you wouldn't want to be alone in that theatre with that puppet anyway on, on, a, <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a normal given day. Anyway. But I think we're, we're going <laughs> to we, run out we of time. Gonna, we're um, going to run out of time. And I, I really want to... So we'll round up. Thank... I, yeah, go no, ahead. I want to round up. and I, I Yeah. Well, you should round up, but okay. I want to thank David. So thank you so much for your time. It's been, in, yes, no, it's no been no, an you. education. And uh, absolute pleasure. So thank you so much. No, yes, thank you. Thank you for the time and effort that you guys are putting in. Yeah, no, anytime you want to come back and join us, you're more than welcome to. And I, I always need yeah, anytime. people on Team Musical to gang up on <laughs> Gareth. So, we're <laughs> three for three so yeah. far. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, oh, any, anything to plug, obviously? Oh, you've, we've done all that with the, the thing. Yeah. Uh, people at home, buy the Tonneston Tales, yes. read the Tonneston Tales support artists i am one please read my novels <laughs> and check out gareth's articles he's got his end of year review uh, from the year everyone wants to relive don't they so thank you very much gareth for forcing that on us <laughs> anyway just the music um, <laughs> oh, i was talking about the music head over to wallofsoundau.com read my end of year wrap yep. i've got an album review about to drop um so yeah i'll have yes you. yeah I hope it's uh, not as good as my excellent Ozzy Osbourne it's, review. It's, it's now, um, before we go, we need to um, swap albums. Yes. Now, this week, I'm giving you, yes. and the CD you're getting is very easy, another amazing show, mm. Four Letters, yeah. Hair. Oh, fuck off. Long, beautiful <laughs> hair. Yep. So, it's, look, it's an easy week for you. We've got five days to put this episode right. together, so... Hair. I've never seen hair. I know nothing about hair, so surprise, Oh, there you surprise. go. Don't you even know, like, Aquarius or any of well, that? Well, I know the age of Aquarius, and... You, you probably will know a couple David of and I are both Aquarians. I found that out today. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. Second of February. That's what makes us so good looking. Oh, yeah. Wow. Anyway, I'm going to give you... We're running out of time. I'm going to give you Faith No More, The Real Thing. It's an absolute classic. You'll hate it. The Faith Real no Thing. More, You'll love it. Thing. Okay. We have to go. Come and see the real thing. Yes. <laughs> no worries. Excellent show. That was an episode. Stay safe, David. Thank you it so will much. Go down in history. Tough fun. Oh, so Gareth's score. He totally forgot to give it. So I said to him on Facebook, watch a score for Billy Elliot. And his words exactly were four stars. Fuck you. Alrighty then. 
and also support us on patreon.com forward slash blooming theatricals. That's it from us, folks. We'll see you next time. Hey, Root. Yeah.